Welcome back to one of our last three, actually, of season four of SID Cast. Um, we have had this guy on, and I'll keep this brief. We've had this guy on. Uh, this will be his third time, technically two and a half, if you want to call it. Um, we had him on back, way back in episode 10. I specifically remember interviewing this guy, um, and obviously you can tell by the title who it is, but I specifically remember interviewing him when I started doing this podcast in my dorm room at USI. Um, I couldn't get any Wi-Fi in my physical room, so I had to go out into the common area. I had to post up on one of the chairs out there. And I had to uh, record out there, which was interesting, uh, to say the least. He was then on, I believe, that following summer with uh, Don Veith talking about their side of chat. You can uh, get involved with that. Uh, I still believe they do that every Monday. Hashtag side of chat, S-I-D-A chat. It's a different Twitter chat uh, hosted by he and Don Veith, as I had said. Um, So get involved over there. Uh, really quick, I want to take care of some housekeeping things. Thank you, everyone who has uh, signed up for a newsletter lately and joined our Patreon. Uh, you can sign up for our newsletter completely free. S- uh, what is that called? SIDcast.substack.com. And then there'll be a subscribe now button, or you could check all the episodes out. Um, and then you just type in your email for free. It goes to your inbox every Thursday morning, 9 a.m. Eastern time. And then uh, Patreon. I would like to thank our Patreon supporters before I get into that. Uh, Eric Gibson, Roger Horn, Jay Stansel, Tyler Stosky, and Alec Morgan. Um, you can do that. The reason why we have that is because this used to come 20 bucks out of my month, out of my paycheck, out of my own pocket every month uh, just to host a show. Even when we weren't having episodes, uh, I was still paying 20 bucks. So that hiatus that we kind of took between September and January here, I still paid, what is that? October, November, December. I still paid 60 bucks out of my own personal pocket to keep this show alive. Um, any sort of donation or pledge that you guys make over on Patreon, whether it be the lowest that you could possibly go, $3 or the highest that I have set, $5, uh, absolutely helps and keeps the show going even during kind of these little months. And like I said, uh, if you've been following for any period of time during this season, um, you'll know that uh, we do have this one next week and the following week. And then we're taking a little bit of a break. You know, 22 sports in one semester um, already kind of starting to get to everybody. I can tell by the analytics that it is not only uh, uh, crossover season right now, but it, but a lot of you do have the same boat that we have here at Madonna to where all your sports are going in one, one season. And I could definitely – tell that in the reflection here so um yeah any pledges kind of carries over through the spring keeps it alive and then before we kick right back up again in the summer so yeah uh, you can do that by going to patreon.com slash sidcast so um like i said kelvin quelly's of new orleans uh privateers uh he's been on uh ever since his days at Texas A&M Kingsville, and I'm super happy to have him on here again. So without further ado, and and this was recorded back um, in December. We were still having more technical difficulties. I uh, recorded over the phone, and uh, I'll be honest, I don't quite remember where we started off. So we will kick off episode 171 of SIDcast with Kelvin Qualley's of the New Orleans Privateers uh, right here on a brand new episode. So uh, it, it's weird. 
this is now what my third time with you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, really, this is unique in a sense because I actually a year, well, a little over a year ago, I actually left the field. Mm-hmm. I left the field for six months. Uh, was doing stuff outside of it was still PR, uh, but it was just outside of sports. Um, and then we had a change here. Um, a new athletic director was hired and convinced me to come back. We were communicating nonstop and kind of convinced me to come back and shift the type of role. Where now, over the last year, I've overseen communications, marketing, creative, um, and then currently also a sport administrator for uh, one of our sports. So uh, my role has somewhat shifted. Um, it's It's been a lot more oversight and a lot less of the day-to-day. Um, which is good and bad in that you kind of get used to that. You get used to the day-to-day. You get used to doing a lot of that stuff. And I think really the only negative that I see is the relationship now just because of COVID, because of of limitations that we have. Um, And that's just just every school. Really just the relationship with the student athletes, that's been a little bit different just because a lot of it is, is... you know, either through Zoom, through text, there's not a lot of face-to-face anymore. You just can't have that um, anymore. Uh, I don't know what other schools are doing. I know for us, uh, me, the external team that, that I oversee, we're all Tier 2. Uh, our athletes are Tier 1, so we try to we try to leave that separate. So that way, you know, a game should never be canceled because of one of us. It should, it should never have to not happen because of one of us. So we try to limit and, and distance ourselves as much as we can. It's been kind of interesting just to even see, you know, state by state stuff too, because we're going through some stuff now. And I don't even know. I guess this is, I guess this is coming out in January. So like, we've got some stuff now to where some like local schools and different conferences are like, hey, we want to, you know, be a part of you guys just for the basketball season because we we can't compete here. It's the same, you know, guidelines here, but our you know, conference members are in a completely opposite state that has a little bit less restrictions. So it's been kind of, kind of funky to see some of that too. Right. Yeah. And, and I think uh, another another thing too that this has shown is, um, you know, again, this this come out in January, but uh, a few minutes ago, our men's basketball team was playing an NAIA team that ended up being as part of a tournament with all Division One teams. Mm. Um, and it's it's something like that where you're seeing a lot of the scheduling. You're seeing a lot more Division One schools play what's perceived as lower level, even though it's it's not in competition. It's just they're playing at NAIA school, they're playing at D two school, just because you need to get those games in. And depending on where you are, location wise, you may not be allowed to play somebody that's within you know your region or your conference. You have to play somebody around there. So for us, it just so happened that our team is in Florida, so they ended up playing uh, Florida National. Uh, in any high school that's in Hialeah. So they made the drive to Jacksonville to play that game. Yeah, I think I've seen a couple of different – I think Bluefield played uh, Liberty the other day too, which is kind of wild to me. I, I kind of – I guess, like, I'm used to mid-majors doing that. I'm not really used to, like – or the quote-unquote mid-majors. I don't even know if I like that term. But um, I guess we're just not used to seeing that, and that's – I hate the term new normal, but, like, that just seems to be something that we're just all going to have to – if you want a basketball season, if you want any sort of season right now, this is just something that you might have to deal with. And I know that there's a lot of, like – I come from a school that um, fans consistently complained about the non-con schedule, you know? So uh, this just might be something that uh, 
that people might have to uh, to understand. And I, I don't even know how to articulate that to uh, to your constituents like that. I guess. Right, and, that, and I think uh, to your point, you do see that at the the low low level division mm-hmm. ones and mid majors. Uh, we consider ourselves a mid major, but you see uh, historically we've played a lot of non D ones as our non con games. Whereas now our, our new uh, athletic director, he's kind of changed the perception. We've had one home non-con game that was against the Sunbelt School. Um, and so right now, just with, uh, as of now, you know, everything can change by the time this airs. Uh, but right now, we don't have another non-conference home game. Um, and so you're seeing that a lot more that you just need to get those games in. But the reality is there's also something to be said about competition that you're getting. If it's not helping your net, if you're not help, if it's not helping you grow, I guess, as a team, then maybe you don't play those games because historically, um, you know, South and where, where the University of New Orleans plays, it has been a one bid league. So the reality is it's good to play these games, but come the Southern tournament, you'll have one team on the men's side, one team on the women's side that, that represents your, your conference. It's not like you're going to have two teams historically. So for us, it's more so I think right now it's, it's getting that quality of play, but really a second tier and it's probably moving, shifting up closer to first is you just got to get the games in. I mean, these, you just these kids, play. Yeah. Right. These kids, I mean, they put in time and effort to come back for this season. And I know that some of them are getting their year back, but the reality is, I mean, Everybody has different nuances. You know, some may want to move on. Some may not want to play anymore. Some may be dealing with injuries. So the reality is you want to get those games in. And for them to, to dedicate as much time as they have, our men's basketball team has been here since July. Our women's team came here in August. You know, they they didn't spend Thanksgiving at home. They're not spending Christmas at home. They're spending it here. So the least that we can do is try to keep them safe and get, get a full season. I think one thing that I've been kind of, struggling with internally i guess is the word to use there um i know a lot of kids they need the structure you know what i mean they need to play games like they need to compete they need to you know have you know male role models female role models all around them um but at the same time like i've seen at least here at a smaller level i've seen like a couple negative effects just of being at practice um one with getting sick teams getting sick unfortunately um, and, and two, like we've, we've had kids just stressed out of their minds, just of not knowing what's next. You know what I mean? Like that. And, and some of them have had, you know, panic attacks almost like of just not knowing what's coming next. So much uncertainty being, you know, asked to still go to school, still be a full-time athlete and just pretend like, you know, none of this is real, I guess almost, but I don't know. Right, and I mean, you're going from you're asking 18 to 22 year olds to to essentially isolate themselves, uh, mm-hmm. and I think you're seeing you're seeing that you're seeing depression rates go up, you're seeing uh, unfortunately suicidal rates go up, you're, you're seeing a lot of the mental health side, and people are being a little bit more open about it. You're mm-hmm. seeing that become a cause of concern for a lot of these these people because again, you're going from being one of the best experiences, I guess, for me, and I don't want to speak for anybody else, but for my my collegiate experience was being around other people, being around other cultures, being around friends and all that stuff and having that. Well, now you really can't do that. Um, A lot of what you're doing is through Zoom, through FaceTime, through all these other platforms, but you can't have that face-to-face interaction. So then you start seeing, you kind of get used to speaking through a screen or whatever the case is. And so you can't really have that normalcy 
and as an 18, 22 year old, I mean, at some point, you know, you're, that's your first time when you go back on a campus for us, at least that's your first time on your own since March, since everybody had to go back home. Mm -hmm. And so now you have that sense of freedom, but you also really, you have it on one hand, but on the other hand, it comes with a lot of rules and regulations that frankly, um, you know, we're asking younger adults to make the right choice at all times. And if you put yourself back in their shoes, you kind of realize that at that age, you kind of feel invincible. So at one at one side of it, you're just like, you know what, you kind of understand there's going to be some slip-ups throughout this process. And unfortunately, if you have a slip-up now, it could lead to a mass spread. Yeah. we've. I mean, there have been several instances around here of just, you know, you hear other colleges or other universities or even, you know, people on our campus that just, I don't think this is like, you know, supposed to be private knowledge, obviously, like people can look and see if you got sick or not, but like, they're still holding parties because just like you said, you feel invincible. I felt invincible when I was, when I, was I mean, I'm not that far away from it, but like, hell, I, I sure as hell don't feel invincible now, but um, I, I, don't, I don't know. I think this is also a perfect time, you know, content wise, actually, um, we were just talking about this today in our office. I think this is a perfect time to, uh, to talk about the mental health stuff. Let the kids write the stories as something that we're out or pen a letter or make some quote graphic or something like that. Because I feel like because of exactly what you just said, uh, people are, you know, living through this every single day, living in their own head, living in isolation. They want to talk about the mental health stuff too. I think that this is an absolute perfect time to do that. I think uh, a lot of times people just didn't feel like they had the platform mm -hmm. or, or, or at the very least the support to do so, you know, does, does it make me less of a, of a human being male or female? Does it make you uh, less of a human being or, or are you being vulnerable in a spot where maybe you don't want to show that? Uh, and, and I just, I don't, for me personally, I don't think that we've ever had a time, at least since, since I've been in coaching athletics where, it's been so widespread that we need to invest in mental health specialists in in getting athletes' minds right because, again, in this type of situation that has now been going on for almost a year now, um, you're seeing that a lot of these student athletes are going through a lot of these things that, that, frankly, I don't think that maybe they did go through it, but it was just was very, very closed off and nobody knew about it. But now a lot more people are being open, especially as you go into a lot of the newer parts of college athletics with NIL, with everything else, they're going to be open books because they know that they can monetize their social media. So we should make them well-rounded when it comes to that point. So that now you're not hurting yourself and in turn hurting how much money you can make because now you can be an extension of a, of a sponsor or a product. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's also to kind of round it back to some SID stuff. This is also a time to where, you know, I struggled really hard um, in the spring and into the summer, but, you know, before I got here, just because I liked being in the office, I liked being able to talk to people. I liked being able to, like you said, get to know my student athletes. And now I can't really, because we're, we're shut down and I can't, I don't see them. Um, and even some coaches are kind of staggering in their days. But I think that this is also a time to where SIDs themselves, maybe collegiate athletic administrators need to kind of understand that, um, and maybe and kind of like what you said, because many people are in leadership roles. And I think that this is kind of like a catch 22 of people is that they don't want to show that they're weak in leadership roles. I think that, you know, a, a lot of people got to the leadership roles because of their strength or because of their resiliency. And I have only seen a couple 
SIDs and a couple of other people in different departments kind of come out and say like, hey, I'm not doing so hot right now. Um, and I think, again, like we're asking athletes, you know, are you, are you okay? You're doing all right. You need anything. Um, making sure that they're all right and kind of neglecting ourselves. I feel like this is actually, I don't feel like I know that this is a very kind of servant oriented business to where uh, we almost neglect ourselves during this time as well. Right. And I mean, you said, you said it and, and it's true. I think we've always in this field, whether you've been doing it for 20 years, whether you've been doing it for 10, five, or you just started, you're taught that you are never the story. You never tell your story. You're just in the in behind the scenes and, and nobody knows who you are. Mm-hmm. And you go out of your way to promote everybody else and everything else that you almost neglect the fact of, am I, am I checking with myself? Am I okay? Is my health okay? Is my family okay? Am I giving myself enough time? And with situations like this where you go from every day you're seeing somebody and, and really one of the benefits of the job is that it's not the same. You don't have the same day to day as somebody else. You know, you're not going to a bank doing the same thing from eight to five every single day. Mm-hmm. Well, when you had to leave that area and now go back home and do everything, it turned into an everyday thing because everything was through Zoom, everything was through Microsoft Teams, Google Chat, whatever whatever you ended up using. So I think uh, a lot of what SIDs did in my opinion, a lot of the SIDs had to look themselves in the mirror mm-hmm. and say, you know what, now I have to prioritize myself. And, and again, my role has somewhat shifted. And now I oversee a lot more of that area, a lot of the external side. And, and I've been a director now for eight years. I graduated nine years ago. I've been a director for eight years. But I think that this is really the first time that I've ever looked at it and said, you know, does do we need to take stuff off of people's plate and just say, you know what, screw it. You need to take time for yourself and just check in with people. Um, and, you know, I, I'm not saying I'm great at it by any means. I'm not saying that, that anybody needs to improve on it. But I think first and foremost, we had to look ourselves in the mirror and say, you know what, from the SID perspective, how can we expect student athletes to be so public and, and upfront about what they're going through when we can't even look ourselves in the mirror and say, you know what, this is what I'm going through as well. And, and then that relationship, I think, becomes better because now they have somebody that, that they can relate to. Yeah, um, this is definitely something, a, a point in time to where people have really taken mental inventory. And I'm super proud of the people that have. Uh, I'm super happy to see people's growth. Uh, some people start side businesses. They've start they've you know started their own podcasts. Uh, they've gotten in shape like a lot of you guys, y'all have killed it by getting in shape. Um, and for a lot of people being in isolation and working from home and things like that, this is their own personal hell. Because I think that a lot of people, um, their escape was the workplace, which I don't necessarily agree with 100% of the time, but I understand. Um, it's a time where people have to get comfortable in your own head. Uh, I tell people all the time that this is like being in my head especially when I'm like running or I'm working out or I'm squatting or anything like that. Um, you don't want to be in it because like I'm so hard on myself, but I know that about me and I use it to my advantage. But to a lot of people, um, the voices that they hear just telling them that they're not good enough or, or anything like that get louder and louder during this isolation time. I uh, follow a guy by the name of Traver Bowen. Uh, he talks about uh, 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 kind of taking uh, where you're leaking. I mean, during this time, uh, were you drinking a lot more? Did you play a lot more video games? Did you, you know, look at a lot more pornography? You know, things like that. That uh, helping taking that inventory has kind of shortened up a lot of places for a, a lot of different people. 
in a time to where you know being in your own head is like like I said, living your own hell. Right, and, and I guess uh, to bring it back, I guess to, to personal experience, there have the one of the biggest benefits in, in, in my personal experience is my wife and I we've been together for eight years. We've been together for almost seven. And this is the most time that we've spent together. Um, you know, and and so in terms of positives, you're forced to spend time with, with those that you live with. And, and it allowed me and her to, to understand each other a little bit more. Uh, you know, we, we both worked in sports before. That's how we met. And so it allowed me to see, you know, what makes her take with work. And I already know her personally, but from work, from the work side, what makes you tick? And then for me, the same thing. And then we kind of balance each other out. And so it, it helped us just spend time together and, and, and do small stuff like watch watch movies, watch Netflix, not Netflix, watch HBO, whatever the case is, whatever we were doing, it allowed us to spend a lot more time with each other. And so there are benefits Absolutely. with this, but I, think, but I think that that's, to your point, I think that the SID side, I think you're always taught that we almost wear our hours like a badge of honor. And I, and I was the case in point of that. Um, you know, I was always like team don't sleep and all this other stuff. But the reality is it caught up, um, you know, with, with me. And then I've been very public about why I left the industry. I've, I've, you know, and I've been very public about some of my thyroid issues in the past. I think a lot more people can resonate with stuff like that. And I'm not saying I'm, um, I'm, you know, a token one by any, right. any imagination, but I think people can relate to something like that because you want to show it's not all, sunshine and roses you know you want to show people that this is what if you consistently put yourself on the back burner ultimately it's going to catch up so this this kind of forced the, the SID field to take a step back and say you know we have to look at ourselves differently we have to look ourselves at as an extension of whatever it is that we, we want to be if you aspire to be an athletic director how would you the athletic director react if your SID is working 80 hours a week when there's no games coming up so what are you promoting and why is it so necessary to do it right then and there? Yeah. Um, I forget what I was going to say, but it, it had something kind of along the lines of just, uh, it's almost more admirable to, to, to almost prioritize yourself in some areas as well. Um, you know, uh, if you want to go learn a different skill, you want to go learn how to rock climb, you want to go learn how to skydive, like, Go do it. I don't understand like why people like shy away from those sorts of things. Um, I'm completely with you on the badge of badge of honor, you know, badge of hours, whatever you want to call it. Um, I, I I think I had a a guy that I worked with uh, in the past who was a videographer, and he he uh, he worked like crazy hours, man. I, I'm talking like when the game was over. Uh, we had a Big Ten ACC challenge. I guess I kind of narrowed it down, but um, we had a game that started at, like 9 p.m. at night. I didn't get home till 1230. Dude was still in there, like editing his film, looking at the stuff. And then one day, uh, one person came out and they said, like, do you know where so-and-so is? And nobody had any idea. And uh, it turns out he slept like 18 hours. Like, you don't escape your body during that time. Like, just because, like, like you said, like your team no sleep or your team hard work all the time or, or you know, all gas, no breaks your body's going to take you back whether you like it or not. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a perfect way of saying it. I mean, yeah. I think, again, that's something that Don and I have, have done. We've kind of switched up the way we do side of chat. We switch up the way that we do some of the things that we, 
it would do because instead of asking so many questions about how would you do this, how would you do that, I think it, it turned into how can we give advice to one another on how to exceed our expectations while also minimizing the amount of hours that we work. Um, I think, again, I mean, when I look at our hours, when I look at just my staff here, I'd like to think that they understand completely that when I say work from home or do this or do that, come in late, I'm not doing that just because I want to come in late. I'm doing that because I think that it's important to, to value yourself and your time. Um, I think when I first started doing this, I was the first one and last one out. And I wore that as a sense of pride. It was, you know, let me show everybody this is what I bring to the table. But in all actuality, how much of what you do between certain hours when you're exhausted is actually being used or how much of it are you then proofreading later on or editing again or, or did your graphic have a typo and now you have to delete it and redo it. So I think a lot of it needed to be, you know, you have to self-reflect and say, you know what, let me, let me take a step back and see what is it that I'm doing? Is there a better way of doing this? Is it more efficient to wait on certain things? And then really it just allowed me and, 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 and our group here, I don't see them like they work for me, but we work together, but it allowed us to put a plan together that we feel like we can all attack in all different angles. So it allowed, Shane is our creative uh, and graphics person. It, this time gave him enough time to create a look for every sport. Hmm. And that's not something that would have happened if we had games going on. Um, truthfully, I don't think that that would have happened if we had games going on because, you know, we would have had photos, we would have had milestones, we would have had so many different things that would have happened that would have taken him away from that. We had Matt, Chip, and Manny or uh, some of the SIDs in our office, we had them look back and say, you know, what are creative ways that we can do? Can we do Instagram takeovers? Can we do some feature stories? Can we do things like that? We had one baseball kid that became a U.S. citizen right before the pandemic, and it turned out that the last game of the season that was played before the season was canceled, that's when he celebrated with his team on the field. Um, so we were able to tell that story and really just reflect on that. And it allowed us to, to tell those, those stories and, and actually – do it in a way that's not rushed because the next thing is coming up. So I think that this time frame from the SID side, it allowed us to plan and be more efficient to where we can leave enough time for the last minute stuff or, you know, the, you know, somebody's going to set a milestone, let's switch up what we do, but still have our plan of attack. And this is how we plan on attacking now basketball started, but baseball, uh, this is what we plan on doing with volleyball while also understanding that none of us have ever been through something like we're about to go through in the spring where we have seven or eight events at the same time. Yeah, planning and uh, living more intently is something that I think that we've been talking about a lot in the past 25-ish minutes. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I think this is definitely – I had never created a game uh, game program from scratch before, and this was, something, this was a time to where I actually sat down I've never been good at InDesign and I sat down and I learned InDesign and now like, I feel like, I don't know, I can do anything on InDesign. Like there's, there's no such thing as like, you know, just because I always say this to people, like when they start hobbies, you're going to be crap at it in the beginning, but the more and more you do it, um, the more and more you're going to be pro at it. And, and obviously this comes with like some people I'm sure now are thinking like, Oh, I want to try my hand at video. Now I want to try my hand at graphics now. And it just might not, be panning out at the moment for you guys but um if you stick with it i promise it's it's gonna you're gonna you know at least have the skills and two you're gonna have a look that you like and a style that you like and and, and a toolbox of uh things you can use moving forward oh yeah absolutely yeah a lot 
um, everyone, if, if you took the time to learn the areas of what you want to learn, then it allowed you to be more well-rounded. And, and again, we're seeing it in this field now where there's cuts every which way and there's eliminations of staff, there's reduced budget, there's again, layoffs, furloughs, whatever, whatever you're having at your respective institutions, you're seeing that the more well-rounded you are, the better that you'll be able to, to promote, not just your, your teams, but yourself, because I think that's something that, that was really important to take during this time was for me, like, and you mentioned, and it's not for you, for me, it was video. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to, I wanted to edit a lot quicker. I wanted to, to learn not necessarily the, the effects and the edits, but more so just cinematography. Um, so I, I spent a lot more time spending, uh, looking at that and following the folks that I, I look up to in that realm. And then obviously just YouTube, but looking at that area and making sure that I'm looking up at that stuff because, and then really a lot of the marketing side, um, you know, just again, we're planning towards something that we didn't know when it was going to begin. So it allowed us to kind of shift our plan every which way to where, you know, we plan, we had three different plans. So we had a plan with no restrictions. We had one with 50% capacity. We had one with no capacity. So it just uh, allowed us to take that time to look at everything. And I know this is more geared towards SID, so I'm not trying to talk about the marketing side, but really video and marketing were the two things that I spent a lot more time over the summer trying to work through because those are the things that I didn't oversee until two years ago. So those were the newest things for me. I think a lot of people kind of overlook the the opportunity or the possibility of learning, you know, a different part of the department too, like you said, like the marketing stuff. I mean, that that was added to my title, you know, assistant director of communications and marketing now. And that's something that uh, I, I never really dealt with before. And it's been pretty interesting. But I think that like, even just whether it be creative or facility or sponsorship or, you know, radio, anything like that. I, I think that this is, a, a, again, like a perfect time to do it. Yeah, I mean, anytime, anytime you can make yourself more valuable and in, in not just your eyes, but in everybody else's eyes, it, it's, it's mutually beneficial. And then, you know, you, you're picking up the, the skill set that you want to learn. So ultimately, whatever your aspirations are. You can pick that up. So if your aspiration is to be, you know, I want to be an athletic director, but I don't know, um, yeah, I'm internal operations, but I don't know compliance. It, like, it gave you that time to ask the compliance director or your academics office or whatever the case is to ask the questions on what it is that you want to learn and kind of get that that started instead of just waiting and waiting and waiting. Because as we know, you know, with the season was going on with, with no restrictions, you know, you can say that those are your aspirations all you want, but work isn't going to stop. So how much are you going to spend? How much time are you going to spend doing that? So to me, I think it's, it's very, very important as SIDs to, to see ourselves as more well-rounded, um, especially again, as you see in the field, the field is changing and in five years, it's not going to look the same. I mean, hell in two years, it's not going to say, so I think we need to, we need to be able to, to be a lot more multifaceted, even though we're already doing more with less, but I think it needs to be, how can we be more efficient with less? And I, I don't know if that question has been answered, um, but I think that that's something that we all have to, wh- wherever you are, if you're D1, 2, 3, NAIA, JUCO, whatever the case is, on your respective institution, you have to realize what is it that benefits you and your team? What is it that the eyeballs are at? And then how can I maximize our exposure, our campus? Your campus may be more written, so you can spend more time writing than graphics and video. 
Um, you know, but for us, it's, it's more digital. So we want to get our eyeballs all on digital. So we're, we've been pushing social media a lot more. And that's why we made the hires that we made with creative being the, the priority in that, in that sense. And then bringing in, uh, SIDs that are multifaceted, bringing in some photographer, bringing in some video game day employees. Like we, we want to make sure that when you leave, when you leave here, you enjoyed your experience, whether or not you had to wear a mask and be socially distanced by yourself mm-hmm. or not. You want to make sure that you, you enjoyed that. So I think that those those are the types of things that we worked on. And, and again, this the eight months that we're working remotely or semi-remotely it allowed us to hone in on those on those skill sets. You know, David, if you were coming here, what would you enjoy? And that type of stuff. So we wanted to make sure that we asked those questions about everybody, not just, you know, hey, I'm you know, I mean, what would I enjoy? And that's it. That's what we're going to do. It needs to be, how are you going to go from the early 20s fan to the 60-year-old that's been giving you money for 40 years? How are you going to get them to, to enjoy their experience? Because now it's a lot more limited than what you can do. You know, there's no game day promotions in terms of all the core. So, again, I mean, we changed up a lot of what we did. And, and I think this time frame allowed us to, to do that. I actually love the idea of kind of taking an inventory of your uh, kind of stakeholders or your fan base during this time. I actually really like that idea um, because obviously like every place is going to be different, like you said. And I think that uh, that's obviously something that I'm going to do. I'm just going to make a little kind of Instagram like poll or whatever and just ask what people prioritize. I think that that's kind of brilliant. That way, you know, you have a little bit more of a, uh, a knowledge or, or anything like that of like what what the parents want to see what do the athletes want to see what do your students want to see what are your you know lifelong alumni fans whatever what do they want to see um and obviously like if if this time hasn't taught you anything other than that you're resilient and that uh change is obviously inevitable um i mean why not kind of ask those questions i guess right yeah i, I think um uh, again that's that's something that we're nothing without our fans, regardless of if they're in, uh, you know, they're able to attend your games or not. Um, you know, if they're following you on social media, if they're just emailing you, if they're just listening to you on the radio, whatever the case is, you're nothing without your fan base. Um, you know, we all, every single department, again, whether big or small, you have, and you always need money to come into your program. So the fact is, uh, for us, it was to maximize, you know, what we can give them. Um, and, and it took some time to get to that. And, and again, I think when you look at the time frame that we were in, I don't know if we would have done that. I don't, I don't think we would have done that had we not had the, uh, the break in, in games, because I think we would have been so focused on, we have this game coming up, let's promote this game that I don't know if we would have taken the time to speak to a specific donor, let alone our entire group to say, Hey, what is that you like? What is it that you don't like? And, and not necessarily create a survey, but almost do it on, you know, we're, we're in the world, so our, we're a little different. Mm-hmm. Um, but for somebody else, it could be something like you email out a survey to, to your 200, 300, whatever it is, donors, and say, you know, here, fill this out, let us know what you think. But for us, it was, it was important to do that, especially, again, as, as people pick up new skill sets and, and as roles change, um, you know, my role has changed. I was hired here initially to just be an SID and then it switched to SID marketing and then it switched to SID marketing, uh, golf administrator, and then part of the executive staff. Um, and then it turned into strategic plan and things like that. So it allowed me to, to hone in on, on the different skills that I wanted to learn, but it also challenged me in, in areas that I just didn't 
think, you know, I would be overseeing right now. Um, I, I didn't think, I didn't think I was going to be a sport administrator right now. And, and, and that's something that I knew I needed to, to learn more on. So I, I took a lot more time learning those areas that I felt like I needed to improve on, um, to better myself and, and really just to better our department as a whole, because again, the last thing I want to do is for, for our staff here is to add more work on them unnecessarily just because I've decided to take on more. Yeah. Crazy time, but, uh, it's a blessing in disguise. seems like I think a, a lot of when, if and when we ever do get back to a, uh, kind of like a, a previous schedule that we've had and a previous operations budget and everything like that, that we've had in the past, uh, I think we're going to see a lot of really cool things, um, especially from you guys, it sounds like, and especially from a, from a lot of other, uh, a lot of other departments. Um, Absolutely. So, um, yeah, well, uh, believe it or not, Kelvin, we've been chatting for, for quite some time. Um, I usually, you know how I usually ask you some fun questions at the end, believe it or not, it's about that time for those. If you can, if you can fathom that. Um, and I know that a, a lot of people are probably listening to this right now thinking like, I didn't get to hear his backstory, blah, 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 blah. blah. Kelvin's got two episodes. Uh, we, you, I will link those in the show notes or in the show description. Uh, you can go back and listen to his full story, how he got started. Uh, I talked to Kelvin back when he was at Texas A&M, uh, Kingsville. That was, I think that was the first time you and I uh, actually hooked up and actually met. Um, so you guys can go back and listen to that. But now, Kelvin, I have some fun questions to ask of you. Are, are you ready for them? Yeah, go ahead. All right. So you've probably heard some of these before. Uh, favorite memory in your professional tenure, now that it's been some time? Uh, my favorite memory was... Believe it or not, it was this past uh, June with the uh, baseball draft. Uh, we had Eric Orsi, uh was drafted by the Mets in the fifth round. I'm from New York City. Uh, but more importantly, it was his story. Uh, he had testicular cancer. My first year here, um, he was diagnosed with testicular cancer uh, and had a long, a long trying time getting back. This past year was his first time back in, in a year and a half on the mound. Um, and then to see his season end the way that it ended and then ultimately see it capped off by him being drafted, I think that, that that was my best, my favorite professional memory, not to be biased towards baseball, but that's definitely you know something that will, will stand with me for as long as I can possibly think about it. Uh, what about on the other side? What's your biggest horror story? Uh, biggest horror story, honestly, was uh, trying to figure out, you know, fortunately – for for us, we haven't had any uh, furloughs or layoffs. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just just strategically trying to cut back on some of the stuff that we did. You know, trying to everybody lost budget, uh, but we we cut back on, on some of the items that I had to look back on and say, you know, these are my goals with our strategic plan. But I had to I had to cut back on that. Um, I would I would definitely say that my biggest horror story was was that um, understanding that you know some of the goals that I set for for myself and really for for the areas that I oversee. Are, are realistically not going to be hit this year um, and to not hold anybody else accountable because those are things that we just have to cut back on. Yeah, yeah. Kind of takes a, a little bit of, you know, understanding that things are obviously – nobody's really going to hit their benchmark this year, you know. Right. So you're not alone in that. Uh, we talked about it a lot already, but uh, one thing you're interested in to learn more about in this profession. Honestly, I think for me it's more sponsorship. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just, just dealing with, I, I deal with them, uh, a lot, but not the preparation side. So not, Hey, this is what we want to do. What do you think about, 
you know, we're going to go after a sponsor for X amount. What do you think about doing X, Y, and Z? Um, you know, just that planning process and then just the pitch process. Uh, I've been through that before, but not on a day in, day out. And I think that that's something that I think is really big for anybody because ultimately we're all salespeople. Mm-hmm. Um, we have to sell our program every day. Or sell yourself uh, so, too. Right. And sell yourself. That's true. So for us, uh, for, for me personally, my personal goal is to, to, you know, to learn that side and then do more with that side. Gotcha. Um, when you're not in the office, what are you doing to have fun? Well, now, <laughs> now, for the most part, um, there's not, there's not much else you can do. Right. Um, but, uh, but realistically, uh, we talked about it all episode long. Realistically, now it's just, uh, just trying to do some, some fun activities, whether it's with my wife or some friends. You know, uh, right now I'm, I'm avoiding bars and everything like that. But really, just, uh, just trying to go out and, and enjoy yourself and kind of take away from, from the everyday work run. Gotcha. Uh, next time somebody's in New Orleans, I don't know if I've ever asked you this. Next time somebody's in New Orleans, when it is safe to go to a bar or a restaurant or anything, what's your restaurant bar recommendation? Um, well, depending on what you drink, uh, if you like if you like beer, um, there, there's a couple places. There's Bayou Beer Garden. Um, there's, there's a few places like that. Um, and then in terms of food, Katie's, uh, Chef Scott Craig, uh, he, he's amazing. Um, will always open up his doors. He owns a couple restaurants here, uh, but definitely Katie's is, is, is the one to go to. It's it's uh it's been on uh, uh what's the guy Fieri show the the triple D's. Oh, I have no uh, idea. It's, yeah, it's been on triple D's before, but yeah, I mean, I would I would say that that's one of them. Um, and there's there's a couple other places. Uh, Commander's Palace is a place that that people love. Um, and obviously you can't go wrong with we're trying to have many A's. Um. You can never go wrong with those. Just just don't wear black. That's the I guess the pro tip. I didn't get that the first time I, I ate it and then I had white powder all over me. Yeah, I've had one I went on vacation to New Orleans like years ago and I had one and it, boy, I swear like it got everywhere. Like they're messy little right. things. Right. Right. I, I don't know uh I don't know how people do it. Um, like I've, I've seen people put like napkins around their, around their stuff. And I, I feel like I would still get dirty. So my, my pro tip, I guess, now that I've lived here for like two and a half years, my pro tip would be, uh, you know, don't wear black. Just, just make sure you wear something. I mean, it's, it's white powder. So wear a white shirt. Mm-hmm. Exactly. We're a lot of, a lot of wet naps somewhere. Right. So. <laughs> too, yeah. Um, if anybody had any questions for you, want to follow up with you, what would be the best way to do it? Uh, honestly, uh, probably, uh, social media is the best way. Um, I am Kelvin Q. So I A M K E L V I N Q on Twitter, Instagram. Um, and then my email, it's, uh, Kelvin at gmail.com. Um, so yeah, I mean, any, any time, whether you're in the field, whether you're not in the field, whether you're trying to look for a way in, um, uh, I'd be more than willing to tell, but I think, that's, that's something that, that we have to do a lot more of. We have to help people um, grow within whatever area they want to do. And if I don't know the answer, now that I've been doing it for a little bit, uh, I probably know somebody that does. Yep, 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 yep. If you don't know, direct somebody else that does. That's what I, what I like to do sometimes. So, Well, Kevin, thank you very much for coming on for number three and on season four of SIDcast. Uh, we all really do appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate it, man, and, and nice seeing you. At, at some point, I'm going to have to get you on, on something that I do just to return the favor. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, let me know when that is. All right, thanks, man. You got it, man.